0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Um so, last message in John everybody, 5th week of May, it's just about Christmas. And uh, here we are, and we're heading into hot Sundays next week, and um, it's going to be fantastic. I just want to let you know that the midweek studies and the daily devotions are going to stay up on the website for a while. And that is just because the single biggest thing that can change your life, I believe, after making a decision to follow Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit, is reading the Word of God regularly. That is 100%. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that that will change you. The Bible says about itself that it divides between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It divides between joints and marrow, meaning that even as you read it, it reads you and it changes you from the inside out and that our mindset is changed. I can tell you about three things that were entrenched mindsets in me that are now changed, and I believe because of reading the Word, and it's renewed my mind. So um, this morning, so that'll stay up. I encourage you to get a hold of it. uh, But I'm going to try and land the book of John. Even John himself said... That there aren't enough books in all the world to recount what Jesus did. So, but I'm going to try it this morning. Okay, so John chapter 1, verse 2 to 3. We'll, we'll read some verses and then we'll pray. Uh, he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. John 1, 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "'Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.'" Um, John chapter 3, the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. So, Lord, we just ask that you would open our eyes, open our hearts to receive your word today. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would just cement what you've done through the book of John in our lives, and that, Lord, we would go out changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, the title of the message this morning is Worst Message Ever. Worst Message Ever. I anticipate that this will not be the most popular preach that I ever had. You might come up to me afterwards and say, that was inspiring, Bron. That never happens anyway, but um, (laughs) if I were to be... A pessimistic, I would say that this is a message that is not popular. It's not rah, rah, go team, yeah, take on the world. No, this is the worst message ever. But because it's in the Bible, it's the best message ever. You see, Jesus stated at the start, it threaded all the way through this book of John and it culminated at the end that his whole entire purpose of coming was to lay his life down. His whole purpose was to lay his life down. When they heard the Lamb of God and they heard that when they heard that takes away the sin of the world, you and I might think lamb of God, lamb like Sean the Sheep lamb, lamb shortage lamb, lamb that like Mary had a little one kind of lamb. But when you put lamb and sin in the same sentence for that first century audience, they thought sacrifice. So when it said lamb of God who comes to take the sin of the world, everybody would have looked at Jesus and thought sacrifice? Is that what John's talking about? Him? And, and Jesus said that all the way through the book of John, he threaded it all the way through the book, that his glorification came at the point that he died, at the point that he died. In John chapter 10, verse 18, he says, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. He constantly is talking about laying his life down. But then at the end of the book, after he's done it, Just before and just after, he turns around and says, now make sure that you do the same. I know, worst message ever, right? Lay your life down. The Christian life is only possible if you lay your life down. Now I can see some teenagers in the front row, like, well, that sucks. (laughs) Really? Really? And you might even be saying, but Bron, what about John 10, 10? What about that he came to give life and life more abundantly? And and the NLT says it even better, it says this, it says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What about that, Bron? What are you talking about that the whole Christian message is to lay your life down? You see, it says to live a rich and satisfying life. It's a rich and satisfying life as defined by Jesus, not as defined by you. As you think about the rich and satisfying life that you're looking forward to when you are a teenager, think about that right now. What did you think a rich and satisfying life would look like? Now, if you're in your 40s, what do you think a rich and satisfying life looks like? If you're in your 60s, if you're in your 80s, if you're in your 100s, what does a rich and satisfying life look like? I can guarantee you that it's changed and the markers have changed all the way along. A rich and satisfying life as defined by Jesus, we can read in verse 28, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me and He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. A good life as Jesus defines it and life to the full is eternal life. That is the life that He promises. A good life as Jesus defines it is a life in which you are in Him and a life in which you would lay it down. You would happily lay your life down. By John chapter 13, Jesus is kind of withdrawn from public ministry and He's just with the people closest to Him. And in that place, He begins to let them know that their service to Him will look like laying their lives down. The first thing that He does is wash their feet. He strips off as some people say down to a loincloth, down to the garb of a slave in order to wash their feet and takes a towel that He might wash them more fully. And he says, this is the kind of life that you need to live if you want to follow me. And then in John 13, verse 36, he says this, Simon Peter asked, well, he didn't say this, Simon Peter did. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? Because he begins to tell them, I'm leaving now. And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? i tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And that's exactly what happens. Peter does deny him three times. All the disciples leave him actually. And Jesus dies, as he said he would all along, and he rises again. And then he comes, as we heard so beautifully that Trish spoke on this morning, that he cooks them breakfast on the beach. In John chapter 1, verse 21 Speaking to Simon Peter, it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Verse 18, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to go and do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus said, follow me. So just imagine Peter here. He's promised to Jesus, I will stick by you no matter what, Jesus. And Jesus said, Peter, no, mate, you're not going to. You can't actually follow me right now. You can't come where I'm going. And so then Jesus is there alone with Peter and Peter's got his time alone with him. He gets to have his time. And I don't know what you would be feeling in that moment, but I'd be in a world of pain and shame and, and devastation. Here is Jesus and he's risen from the dead. Thank God, thank God that wasn't the end. But man, we've got this thing between us that we haven't addressed yet. I I let you down, Jesus. You heard me deny you. I even swore that I didn't know you. And he's there with Jesus and Jesus looks at him on the beach and asks him the question, do you love me, Peter? I don't know what Peter would have felt, but he's like, yes, Lord. And again, yes, Lord. And again, God, Jesus, you know that I love you. And Jesus is like, each time we'll feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And three affirmations for the three denials of I love you, Lord. I definitely love you. And Jesus says to him up front, you're going to die. <laughs> Follow me. Now, if I said to you this morning, guys, you're going to die. Follow me. <laughs> Who's coming? Nope, not many people. Actually, no one put their hand up just in case you thought that maybe someone did. No, no one did. Um, But Jesus says this and he was able to say to Peter, here, you can't follow me. You won't follow me to death. But over here he says, you will follow me and actually you're going to die and scholars tell us that Peter was actually crucified upside down. He stretched out his arms just like Jesus and was crucified. And Jesus said, here, you can't follow me and you won't be able to and over here you can and you will. So my question for us today is, are we Peter at the table or are we Peter on the beach? Are we Peter at the table? Yeah, I've got all these good intentions and good motives, but actually I won't go the full distance. Or are we Peter on the beach where we're told explicitly how we're going to die and we're like, sign me up. I'm there. I will do it. Which Peter are you? Which Peter are you? There were lots of people through the book of John, right up to chapter 13, who were the, like Peter at the table. There was the guy who was born blind and Jesus healed him. He was blind since birth. And I just want you to imagine if you're parents of a child who was blind since birth. If you're parents of a child who has any kind of physical ailment at all, you know the feeling of, of love for your child and, and, and angst for your child. And now your child is healed. Your, your child is healed and able to do everything that they couldn't do before. I'm thinking you're grateful. I'm thinking you're out of your skin and out of your mind grateful. But they go to the rulers of the synagogue who drag them in and they say, we don't want to say anything about this. And the Bible says it's because they feared that they would be put out of the synagogue. They feared their social status being lost. They feared their security being lost. They, were put, they didn't want to be put out of the synagogue so they wouldn't go there. The Bible also said that those who would put their faith in Jesus, many put their faith in Jesus, but they didn't say it because they didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. Fear of man kept them from actually declaring their faith. There was a point in time where Jesus gave a really hard teaching about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, which again, like weird sermon. But many disciples leave, or the crowd actually leaves first, and then The other disciples say, this is hard for us to understand Jesus. And he says, I'm telling you, this is how it is. And they go. And he's only left with the very closest disciples. Their level of understanding determined their faith and trust. We can't understand it. So sorry, God, we're out. All the disciples scattered when Jesus was arrested. And so my question for us is, where is our level of fellowship? Where is our level that we'll lay our life down? Yes, Lord, to this point, but not anymore. If something hard happens, then I'm afraid I'm out. If I don't understand everything with my human brain, then I'm afraid I'm out. If you say something too difficult and people turn away from that and the media talks about it, I'm sorry, I'm out. Where is our level of laying down our life? Dan Moore talks about the number of books on leadership. And he he says, I can't believe how many books on leadership there are. New day, new book on leadership. He said where are all the books about following? Like, if everyone's a leader, then where are all the followers? Where are the people actually getting stuff done? And he says, don't we need more books on following? And, and I found it, Dan. It's the book of John. <laughs> it's all about laying your life down. The, the biblical narrative is all about laying your life down. And we will find our level of where that stops for us. I may have told you the story before, but my auntie went for a job with um, the Bible Society. And they had them write down everything that was important to them. One to ten of the most important things to them. You can imagine what your list would be. Just start to itemise that in your head. One to ten. If you put a Chevrolet Silverado somewhere on there. I'm thinking that <laughs> there's an issue. Um, but if it, all the things that are most important to you. And then they asked her the question. This is like, you know, in their training, in their job training. And they said, okay, take, would you forego the bottom five? If Jesus asked you to, if you said, follow me, but it's going to take that away from you. She was like, oh, yeah, like house. Yep, 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 tick, tick, tick. And then they said, what about the next top three? Would you be willing to sacrifice those for Jesus? And she's like, ooh. And they said, okay, what about top two? Would you be willing to let those go in order to follow Jesus? And I don't know about you, that's the worst message ever. That's horrific. And yet. That's what Jesus explicitly asks of us. Will you be willing to let go of everything in order to follow me? And I say, Brian, God's not like that. He's not going to ask that of us. The writer of this book died for Jesus. The disciples who built the early church through Jesus giving them the power, they died for him. They were called liars. Christians were fed to the lions across our world today. Christians are persecuted everywhere. And the whole message of Jesus is, will you lay your life down? Will you lay your life down? It's a good day to die. We're given new chances to lay our lives down every day. You know, that all the miracles, all the I am statements, Jesus saying, I'm gonna conquer death, hell and the grave were all founded on the fact that he would lay his life down. All of it founded on that fact. And we must be willing to do the same. So in between him washing their feet and going to the cross, these are a few things that he said to the disciples. He's like, I'll just be upfront about this. He says in John 15, verse 20, since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. John 16, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. It's encouraging. I'm telling you, it's the worst message ever. (laughs) But that is what the whole book of John is about. Jack Haynes puts it like this, today is a good day to die. It's a good day to die to the flesh, to the world, to myself, and to take up my cross and follow Him. Paul puts it like this, I die daily. Jesus puts it like this, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. We're meant to lay our lives down and it's meant to happen in the context of community. I was just thinking, imagine if someone was in here right now and without the context and they hear me saying this, I sound a little bit like a cult leader. <laughs> I'm not. I'm preaching from the Word of God. And Jesus says that we constantly need to lay our lives down and we need to in the context of community. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he says, just as I've laid down my life, you ought to lay down your life for each other. Now, I want to give you a controversial example of doing this just in our day-to-day life. Um, so I've got a friend, this is very controversial, and you might remember when we were in the other building, that's when the plebiscite took place about same-sex marriage. And actually, as, um, as the pastors of the church, Daz and I recommended voting no. And um, um, that might hurt some of you, but we did, uh, in the context, we knew that the ship had sailed in terms of biblical marriage, but we saw the trajectory of legislation that was happening, particularly in Victoria and around education in schools, and so we, we suggested that on looking into that, that you vote no. But at the time, my friend who, very good friend, one of my best friends who is same-sex attracted, stopped coming to church. And he was just like, I, I just feel completely judged when I come to church. I feel judged in general. As a person, he said, who actually wants to follow Jesus, none of my gay friends accept me. As a, gay, as a Christian, my Christian friends won't accept me because I'm living in this lifestyle. And he said, I can't possibly come to church. It's all a bit heightened right now. And he said that a bunch of his friends were feeling the same. So we met for coffee and I, I sat down with him and said, I don't want you to hear this from anyone else. I want you to read the statement that we read out to the church. And I read it out, what what would said and explained the context of it. And he just started crying. And I said, okay, so how does this make you feel? And he said, I feel judged. I feel unwelcome. I feel excluded. I said, yeah, okay, I get that. I can understand why you feel like that. And he said, I, I said to him, if, do you reckon anyone else is feeling like this as it relates to the church? And he said, absolutely. And I said, well, previously when you were coming to church, where do you reckon that they would find a place to go? And he said, well, they'd come to our church because they know that I can go there and so they would feel like they could go there as well. Now, you might think, well, they shouldn't be coming. They don't have a place here. But my, my expectation is that the best place for people to be is under the Word of God and to listen to the Word of God and to experience the love of the family of God. That's probably the best place for anyone to be. And so that was my, um, my understanding. And uh, I said, so if you stop coming, where will they go? And he'll, he said, they feel like there's no place for them. I said, so will you come so that they know that there's a place for them? And he said, yes, I can do that. He was willing to put his own pain aside for a greater purpose. He was willing to say, okay, I don't feel welcome. I feel judged. I feel excluded. But so that others may come, I'll keep coming. Controversial example. The whole point of that example is he was willing to put his pain aside because there was a bigger purpose. And I think sometimes that we forget that there's a bigger purpose because we're just in this comfortable bubble of Western Christianity and we forget that laying our lives down is meant to mean pain. It's a bigger purpose. It's meant to mean pain. It is pervading the whole of the New Testament after the Gospels, that we're meant to lay down our lives for each other. And so let me talk to you about laying your life down for each other and what that looks like. Ephesians 5.21, this plays out in a marriage relationship and I just hit all the controversial topics this morning. It says in Ephesians 5.21, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Lay down your lives for each other out of reverence for Christ. Now, I'm so hesitant ever to talk about this passage because this passage has been so misused. And um, if you know that there's been studies done on certain denominations where there's actually higher rates of DV in that denomination than there are in the secular world like that is horrific but what I know is that for me to submit to my husband is like the hardest thing in the world <laughs> I'm gonna die every day to submit to my husband any wives the same yeah okay thank you for your honesty <laughs> Others are like no that's what we should do um and others like how dare you say that <laughs> but in fact Are there any husbands in the room that find it so hard to lay down your life for your wife? No, nailing it. Thank you, one honest person. It's hard. It's hard to lay down our lives for each other. Let's just be really honest. It is painful. It hurts. It's meant to, to lay down our lives for each other. I'm I'm all for a movie where someone's sacrificing their life for someone else. I'm all for it. I'm like, I am Desmond Doss on Hacksaw Ridge. I am William Wallace yelling out, freedom! While he's getting his guts ripped apart. I I am whoever it is that's standing out the front and taking the bullets for everybody else. I am that person. But the fact is, is that dying and laying our lives down for each other is not glamorous, not even remotely. It looks like waking up every day and saying, not my will, but yours be done. And oh my goodness, here we go again. Laying down your life for each other is hard work. And yet it's what God requires of us. And it's the whole message of this book, lay down your life for each other. Jesus considered his most glorious and glorified moment was when he had accomplished laying his life down for humanity. Men, how are you going to lay down your life? Women, how are you going to lay down your life? I'm going to see a victory. I love that song. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. I'm going to see a victory. Imagine if a victory is you laying down your life today. How are you going to die today? And what do you need to die to today? Just um, a few final thoughts on this. Because often laying down your life doesn't look, like I said, like that glorious, glamorous freedom (laughs) while you're getting hung, drawn and quartered. It feels like you're getting hung, drawn and quartered, but it doesn't look that glamorous. It's just every day waking up, So I just want to give you just a couple of pieces of advice around this. And the first is that we're called to give our lives for people and not to people. Now, this is a relatively new thought, so I'm a little bit hesitant. I haven't really dived deep into it yet. Um, But we're called to give our lives for people and give our lives to Jesus. If we're giving our lives to people constantly, then when they turn around and be people, because we all are, Then we just feel like, what's the point of giving our lives for anybody? What's the point? They've just turned around and crushed me. What's the point of that? But we're called to give our lives for people, not to people. The only example I could think that maybe circumvents this is a husband and wife relationship where it says that the two become one and that you cleave to each other. That was the only one. Apart from that, and and I don't know, maybe for your children, maybe you've got an example. But if you give yourselves two people and they turn around and be a human, and that can be really hard. Jesus, it says in John chapter three, that they began to put their trust in him, but he did not entrust himself to them because he knew humans' hearts. So it's important that we discern the difference between giving ourselves for people and giving ourselves to people. Yes, we wanna be vulnerable. Yes, we wanna share our lives. But if we think that, that that person will protect our heart, God is the only one that can protect our heart. And so let's, let's make a difference there. Secondly, though none go with me, yet still I'll follow. What pulled people back in the book of John was what people might think or what they might say to them or what they may do to them. We have to get to a relentless point of though none go with me, yet still I'll I'll follow. Though in the playground, I might be all alone because of my stand, yet still I'll follow you, Jesus. Though in the workplace, I'm kind of ridiculed, yet still I'll follow Jesus. Though when I walk around town, people might see me as that Christian person, yet still I'll follow Lord Jesus. We have to be willing, though none go with me, yet still I'll follow. You know, that's how the underground church is spreading in China. It's exploding over there because it's just like we know that our lives are threatened. We're really up front. And the Chinese government tries to stamp it out, but it just keeps thriving and growing in these underground places. The Chinese government just should have made it legal and let everyone get really rich and fat, and then the church would have died out naturally. (laughs) That's facetious. Okay. But no, none go with me, yet still I'll follow. Though it can be menial, mundane, or meaningless, because often laying our lives down for people, just looks like the menial and the mundane and the meaningless, though it just looks like there's no point. We've got to be willing to get up tomorrow and die again, get up again and lay our lives down and continue to lay it down. Worst message ever, right? (laughs) But I tell you that if we live out of this place, I'm not there yet. Ask Daz. (laughs) I'm definitely not at the place where I'm living, laying my life down for others all the time. I still be self-protective all the time. I still want to manage the way that I am with people all the time. But I believe from the bottom of my heart that it's the only way to live because it's the way that Jesus tells us to live. It's the only way to live because it's the way that Jesus lived. And he said, do as I did, that greater love has no man, but that he lays down his life for his friends. I'm going to ask the team to come. And I just want to ask you, You ready to die today? And what do you need to die to? Lord God, you require of us stuff that we just can't do ourselves. And it's to show your glory, Lord. It's to show who you are. It's to show that you have the ability, the strength to accomplish what we can't. Lord, you say saying, James, that we ask for things, but we ask amiss because we just want our own way. Lord, I pray that you would lead us to a place where we can lay down our lives for each other. I pray for any tension going on in any heart or any bummed outness because of this, Lord. That, Lord, you would just show us that that's what you require for our good and for your glory. Lord, you don't call us to be a wet blanket you call us because you do have a rich and satisfying life for us and Lord that eternal life that life in you is able to continue and to go on Lord and and so Lord we ask for the strength and the wisdom and the courage to know when and how to lay down our lives for each other in Jesus name amen hey again thanks so much for joining us on this podcast Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.